0: Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. Uh, My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've uh, chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. Uh, If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church. And you can have to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now.
1: When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will give you What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven. Not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those He has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Would you please welcome Roger as he comes to speak to us?
0: Glad that wasn't on camera. Good morning. It is uh, good to be here, good to share. And uh, even better to have the smell of freshly baked bread in the air and to get those senses going, the saliva glands pumping. You know, it really is one of those things when we start to feel hungry, isn't it? Uh, I don't know when, if you think back in your life to a time that you were most hungry, when was that, that you were most hungry? Were, were you doing the 40-hour uh, famine? I remember doing that as a young child, and uh, or not as a young child, as a teenager, and uh, we had to fast from food for 40 hours, and I tell you, we stuffed ourselves on that Friday night, and then Saturday came. And we ate barley sugar like it was going out of fashion. And then uh, Saturday night come and we, we had the hangries going on and uh, all sorts of moodiness going on. And then by Sunday it was almost all gone. Uh, we didn't sort of worry and then it got to Sunday lunch and we could really not really eat too much. Our stomachs had shrunk. So, uh, when I was uh, in Bible college, one of the things I got to do was go on some mission trips, and I should have learned from these, uh, or maybe I should have known better, that mission work was just, I was just never cut out for it because I grew up in a meat and three veg family. Now, for those of you that don't know, that means you basically just eat. Uh, a meat staple and three plain vegetables that were put on the plate. We could mash our potatoes, we could bake them, but that was about the extent of the spice that we got in our family. So in Bible college, uh, I was praying about a short-term mission. I managed to uh, get onto one place that would take me on because I wanted to go for two months to another country to experience and to get a taste of what it was like to work overseas. I was thinking South America. That didn't work. I got South Korea. (laughs) Now, does anyone know any South Koreans in your workplace? Uh, I was in Bible college with some South Koreans. I should have known better. Uh, When we had uh, mashed potatoes and uh, sausages and gravy, out would come the bottle of chili flakes and they would sprinkle it. In fact, they really brought chili flakes to every meal with them because our food was so bland and tasteless to them. So when I went over there for two months, uh, not only was I struggling to eat the food, which I felt set my mouth on fire, and after it set my mouth on fire, it set the rest of my <laughs> digestive system on fire. Um uh, uh, they also couldn't drink normal tap water. Uh, it had to be boiled up. And after it was boiled, they would put barley in the water, which gave it a bit of a yellowish colouring and it had a distinctive taste to it. And so I really couldn't, uh, I struggled to have that. I tell you, after two months in South Korea, I was ready to come home. I, 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 I won't say that you know, I didn't have cravings for KFC, but I think I went straight to the pizza hut and had a an Aussie pizza. Uh, it was just one of those things. Um, but that's what it's like when we are hungry. Our body tells us we are in need, that we need some sort of sustenance. Well, our passage this morning uh, that we had read for us in John chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can open them up. John chapter 6 is massive. There are 71 verses here. Has anyone got lunch plans? Um, uh, There are 71 verses. Um, So I'm going to just try and highlight a number of things as we walk through this. Firstly, let's just touch base on the actual miracle that Jesus does at the start of John chapter 6. It's an amazing miracle. Jesus is with his disciples and they've crossed over the lake to Bethsaida and He retreats sort of with his disciples to teach but jesus is starting to get a bit of a reputation he's been healing people sick and if anyone knows when you're sick you can be desperate for a cure and to be touched by jesus would mean healing instant healing for all of the things that were perceived as being completely life-threatening in those days And so uh, not only was Jesus descended upon, but basically news had spread so quickly that not just a dozen people came, not just a hundred people came, but thousands of people descended after hearing that Jesus was in this place. Now, Jesus sees all of these crowds coming towards him, and, and he thinks, there goes my day off. Um... The crowds come and he feels compassion for them. He feels love for them at their moment of need. And so he cannot but help them. And so you can imagine right throughout the day, Jesus is sitting with these 10,000 people crowded around. This is like a stadium here, Suncorp Stadium. Um, Just filing along in front of Jesus and Jesus talking to them and bringing healing to their sick to those who are in need and uh, we see it starts to get to the end of the day and the disciples are not thinking that jesus just needs to keep healing they're thinking of some practical needs they're thinking that this is one heck of a crowd and the hot dog stands are not open today Um, so they're wondering where on earth these people are going to get food Now, even our amazing Wendy and Belinda, who do a lot of catering here in the church, uh, would have trouble catering for 10,000 people who just happened to turn up one day unexpected. Well, this miracle where Jesus is reported to have fed 5,000 men is so enormous in its scope that it actually gets recorded in all four Gospels. It's the only one, other than the resurrection, that is recorded in this way. Because feeding 10,000 people just doesn't happen. And so Jesus is there, the disciples are there, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, send them away, send them to the towns so that they can get food and lodging. But Jesus doesn't, see that turning people away is the answer but rather fulfilling people's needs in the gospel of mark jesus sends his disciples out to see what they had and andrew comes back with a young boy who happened to bring his play lunch and perhaps uh, i always wondered did the boy actually want to share his lunch you know, was he hiding it behind, or, or was, it, was it something that he just volunteered? Now, I was going to open a can of sardines uh, and spread them around the congregation to let you experience the full sense of bread and fish around, but I thought, ah, we won't do that. Um, uh, It might take us a few weeks to get rid of the smell. So we've got some rolls. We don't have them for everyone because unlike Jesus, I'm not good at feeding 10,000. So Jesus then takes these five loaves and he does what is completely unexpected. He blesses the food and then he starts to break it and he starts to hand it out through his disciples, and they are all got people sitting in groups. And you've got to wonder, you know, have you ever been to one of those fellowship lunches and you're on the last table to be called? You know, often it's just the scraps on the table, isn't it? Um, you feel like you're going to miss out. But that's not what happened here. Jesus takes the bread and he starts breaking it up and blessing it, and the food, something miraculous starts to happen. The food multiplies at Jesus' command. And uh, not just one person fed, not just two people fed, not just a thousand people fed, but it says that 5,000 men besides the women and children were all fed. Now, some people look at this miracle and they say, oh, that's just figurative. You know, they just shared it around, a bit like communion. You know, they, they break the bread and, and then they just pass the loaf around. And perhaps everyone just got that little crumb and put that in and that was what happened. But thankfully, we get enough details here to know that that's not what happened. In verse 11, we read firstly that everyone had as much bread and fish as they wanted. There was no rationing. So from the biggest eater amongst us, who might down, I don't know, how many would you down these? uh, Gee, they smell good. Um, um, How many of those bread rolls do you think the biggest amongst us would eat a dozen? Two dozen? I tell you, if you were hungry, you'd probably go through a couple of dozen. They smell quite good. Um, But... Everyone, it says here in verse 11, ate as much as they want. There was no rationing. There was no, let's wait till the last table is called and then let's go for seconds. It was like everyone had their fill. That is, no one went away hungry. Secondly, we actually read it was more than just everyone having their fill. Because Jesus, not wanting anything to be wasted, says to his disciples, go and pick up the pieces. And so the 12 disciples go out with 12 baskets, and they're picking up the pieces. They fill 12 baskets full. Now that even by itself shows the miracle of multiplication in action. Because when you start with five small hoes, and it then multiplies so that you've got 12 full baskets, it's not only have they had had their fill and been satisfied, but there is talk here of an abundance, an abundance that would sustain people, maybe the disciples, into the following days. And that's so important for us to understand and to see for all that we're about to read that follows. If you don't see the abundance that Jesus has created, then you're going to miss the point of all the theological lessons that he's about to give us in the rest of this chapter. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 51, 52, there were some who saw all that took place, as in the disciples. They were amazed but they still didn't grasp the spiritual truth of what was going on. In Mark 6, 51-52, it says, they were completely amazed, that is when Jesus calmed the storm, for they had not understood about, their, about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So what was it about the loaves that the disciples didn't grasp? What was it in this passage, that this whole feeding of the 5,000 was supposed to communicate to all the people. Well, that's what we're going to dig in to do. And I'm going to pray for us now as we dig in to the rest of this passage and see what God would teach us. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, what an amazing miracle it was when Jesus took just five loaves and two fish He prayed and gave thanks for what had been provided, and then he did the miraculous, multiplying all that had been given again and again and again, so that not just one or two or a family or even a church this size was fed, but a crowd the size of maybe Suncorp Stadium was fed. And then they were not just fed to have their fill and no longer be hungry. But there was such an abundance created that there was an overflow of 12 baskets still carried out. So Father, teach us what this means this morning, we pray, and help us to walk with it in our lives, I pray. Amen. Well, there are three core lessons that I want to pull out of this big passage, and I'm not going to read through the whole thing again, and I'm not going to be able to pull out every lesson that is in here, but I want to give you the three core lessons that are in here. In verse 26, Jesus starts off, Very truly, I tell you. Now, even before we start, I want you to understand that when it says, Very truly, I tell you, in these passages in Mark, it's repeated four times, it repeats a Greek word, which you would all know, which is, Amen. Amen. And that Greek word is actually also translated, transliterated from the Hebrew from this word, amen. Now, what does amen actually mean? Because here, the very truly translates it when it says a double amen. So it's not just amen, I'm doing a full stop at the end of my prayer, but it's a double amen. Well, in the Old Testament, the word amen is used to describe God. It's also used to describe the actions of people, but it means a descriptive term where God is described as faithful, where he's described as true in in all that he does. So if God is faithful and true, then the actions that he has said or what he has said will come to pass, will come to pass. So when it's used as amen... And talked about with respect to God, it means it is and so it shall be. In other words, when we use it of God's actions, it confirms and it affirms all that God is and all that God will do. When it is said by men, in other words, we say it at the end of a prayer, it means so let it be. In other words, we're agreeing that what has been prayed or what has been said is true it is faithful to what is written it is going to come to pass we wanted to come to pass and that's why in a lot of churches around the world it's not just used as that full stop to prayers people are known to call it out in congregations preacher or a song will be said and people will say amen amen it's true it's faithful it's going to come to pass so can i hear an amen Amen. There we go. We're going to make Pentecostals of us. I didn't say that. I'm not going to go against any work of the Spirit in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So the rest of verse 26, as it goes on, very truly I tell you, that is, amen, amen, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now what had happened is that after Jesus fed the 5,000, he put his disciples on a boat and sent them back across the lake. He retreated to the mountainside alone. Then the storm came up and Jesus walks on the water to them in the boat calms the storm brings it to the other side now when he's on the other side now in Capernaum the crowd wake up in the morning they're thinking where's Jesus gone we want to see some more miracles we want we want another feed um sounds like a bunch of blokes doesn't it um uh, and so they're all traveling they're jumping on boats they're getting around and they discover where Jesus is now in Capernaum and Jesus says to them, you're not coming to me for the reason that I did it all, that is, as a sign, you're coming just because you want a free feed. Now, what I want to say is this first point is that Jesus wants us as people not to constantly seek after the material, but to seek after the things that will last not for this life, but into the life hereafter. after. That is, to seek the eternal, to focus on the eternal. In Matthew, Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But I fear, often in our lives as believers, it is the material that we give ourselves to. Now, there are practical reasons for that. We all need jobs. We all need to provide for our families Um, Jesus isn't quite around for us to get the free feed every single day so we have to do the practical things of working but how much of our lives if we were to divide between arbitrary the, the eternal and the material how much time do we spend just focusing on the material things in our lives rather than the eternal things in our world in understanding God's purpose for our lives and how we live our lives. There was a missionary on the uh, Ivory Coast, and uh, it was at a time where there was a... Well, there's often turmoil in Africa, in amongst the nations, but there was an African pastor who was passing through on his way home to Chad, where there was civil war at the particular time. And the missionary related their interactions, and, and he said to the African pastor, he said, now you're allowed to have 30 kilos as you get on the plane to go back to Chad. Um, What can we help you with? Would you like sugar? Would you like some powdered milk or medicines? What can we give you? And the pastor gave a bit of a pause and he said to him, if you could, I'd like some Bibles or a few good books. Now, the the missionary was a little bit taken back. and thinks, what? He said, well, we've lost everything in the war. We've learned to place less importance on the things that can be taken away from us, the things that pass away, and more importance on the things that last in this life and the missionary mused and thought about what he had been told in the the rest of the day rest of the evening and he he thought about the principle that had often been told that the hungry man has no ears Uh, In other words, a mission's principle is that you can't come and bring the gospel without actually first giving them a meal to eat. In other words, address the practical needs so that they actually uh, have an openness and an ability to hear the spiritual. But what this missionary had heard from this pastor was that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And it was the word of God that was the most important thing to this African pastor. It was the word of God that they needed. Now, he knew they mustn't fail to share the bread that they had with those that are hungry. But they also shouldn't neglect sharing the word of God with those who didn't have it, who were in need. And so it comes to verse 27 now, and this is what Jesus says to the crowd. He says to them, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe In the one he has sent. The the crowd, you've got to wonder sometimes uh, about the spiritual perception or the lack of spiritual perception that was going on. But I imagine if we were back there, that we may still react in exactly the same way as they were reacting. So they come and, and they're after this food that doesn't spoil. They're thinking, that's great. And they're asking him, what must we do to get this food? They're all still thinking with their stomachs rather than thinking with their hearts as to what God wants from them. And they think then that, as Jesus mentioned, don't work for food that spoils. So they're thinking, okay, I work in the field. I save up my money. I buy grain. I make bread. So now he doesn't want me to work for that food, but some other food that gives eternal life. Okay, so what works must I do to get that food that comes to eternal life? And of course, we know from all that Jesus teaches is that we can't earn what Jesus provides, because Jesus has already provided it. He does it for free. He does it at a great cost to himself but he provides it to us for free and so jesus answers the work of god is this just to believe in the one he has sent now the reason why he's given this emphasis is because the people are constantly wanting proof they're wanting signs and they'll not stop here they'll continue asking for signs throughout the rest of this passage And now they're going to say, look, Moses gave us the manna that was in the desert. And how long were they wandering around the desert needing manna? 40 years. And how many thousands of people were there in the nation? There were hundreds of thousands of people. So Jesus really, by comparison, has only done something really small, feeding 5,000 men and women and children. And so there's this comparison between, oh, Moses is much better. And so Jesus has to walk them through a process of understanding and comprehension that both of these signs, whether that be the manna in the desert or the bread that was given to the feeding of the 5,000, both of these are just signs of the work of God. One attested to Moses' as the representative of God, the other was supposed to attest to Jesus in his identity as the Son of God or Son of Man, as he's often described. Now, they're still not grasping that the bread is symbolic. It's not literal. I can't give you a bread roll that will last you For eternal life that it is not going to perish i can't do that and so jesus has to just get plain with them and start talking open to them and so in verse 34 what does jesus say sir they said always give us this bread verse 35 jesus says then jesus declared i am the bread of life you got it who is the bread of life Jesus is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, unpacking this verse has so much in it because the word never there in that text is actually emphatic. In other words, it has huge emphasis on it. The nevers there are never go hungry, never go thirsty. Now, is Jesus talking about physical hunger or physical thirst? No, he's not. (laughs) They're still not getting it quite right. But that's the first thing that Jesus wants them to understand, that he himself is the bread of life. Secondly, Jesus declares that he will not turn anyone away that he will not send anyone home for a meal if they come to Jesus. Is this starting to sound familiar? Like something that happened at the start of the chapter when he fed the 5,000? The disciples wanted to send everyone home or to the towns to get a feed. But Jesus now says in verse 37 that all those the Father gives him will come to him and whoever comes to him He will never drive away. That's why when we read this amazing miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, that's why it says everyone gets their fill. That's why it says there is that abundance where there is 12 basketfuls left over because Jesus does not fail to give us all that we need for life spiritual life, for eternal life. He has it all and more and more. If you were still hungry after the feeding of the 5,000, you could have gone and gotten more bread because it was left over. It was like they called seconds and then they called thirds and fourths and anyone else wants some, there's all this left over. But it's an image It's an illustration, an analogy of who Jesus is as the one who can give us far more than we need. We often go through life, don't we, with a sense of emptiness or lack of fulfillment in all that we have. And Jesus stands there saying, I'm the bread of life. Come to me. Come to me. And you will have your fill." Now, I've got to confess that I'm a duchy. Because I'm a duchy, I like bargain hunting. I like shopping for a great deal. I don't mind haggling. Uh, In Bali, when we went there recently on a holiday, uh, haggling is just the national pastime. Um, You can't go there uh, without getting ripped off, without haggling for different things and there is all sorts of tactics and things you can use um, but uh, in australia that we don't haggle so much here we just go to aldi <laughs> <laughs> but you know what who doesn't love a good bargain when you go to aldi now some things i perhaps you know may still need to go and shop at woolies to get the branded product but I'm amazed at Aldi as a store and how they've survived in Australia because it's not just a supermarket store. They have all these bizarre things. Like this week, they've got lawnmowers for sale. Anyone need a lawnmower? <laughs> you know? Um, who would have ever thought that you could go and buy a, like a lawnmower? Imagine walking into Woolies and they have all these lawnmowers on display. It, you just shake your head. But Aldi has all these things. It's like they compete with Bunnings because they have all these tools often for sale. They compete with Myers and, uh, because they have all sorts of linen so- that goes on for sale. They even compete with the ski stores because come winter, you can go and get your ski outfits and uh, uh, be able to go and get all the kit that you need to go and visit the snow. Uh, I'm really amazed. Um, there was one particular instance i, I can 't remember what it was that was advertised. I think it was like a bike rack that was advertised, and we wanted a standalone bike rack because bikes kept accumulating and then falling over on anyway. Uh, I just had to go and hunt for a bike rack and this one time I remember I had had another experience where i 'd gone for a router that had been on sale it was like forty bucks for a router, you know. Um, And I'd gone there to the store and the routers were all gone. And I'm thinking, come on. (laughs) You've advertised this great router and now they're all gone. So I thought, you know, I'm going to fix this. And I went in the the day early for this bike rack. But you see that red box at the bottom of the ad? It says, on sale Wednesday the 16th. Going on Tuesday means you don't get there. The the stock just isn't out on display. And so I thought, okay. Okay. I'll fix this. I'll get up, I'll find out what their opening time is and I'll come and I'll be at Aldi at you know 7am on Wednesday so that I can get this bike rack. And uh, I turned up there and you know what? It's bizarre, it's like stock taking sale. Um, the, there was a queue uh, out the door and I'm thinking, my goodness, these people are all going for bike racks? I got my work cut out for me, now I'm a I'm a fit bloke, I could probably dodge a few uh, old ladies as they go down the aisle. But, uh, you know, the, there was a couple of other blokes there that looked like they'd give me a run for my money. And so, you know, the, the, the person came out, the doors opened, and so I did a V-line straight for the aisle that had the bike racks, and I I, I got my bike rack. But it turns out everyone else was going for 70-inch LED TVs that were like $400. And, <laughs> And it was bizarre to see these people pushing a trolley that had two LED TVs sticking out of the... I'm thinking, how are these people getting them in their car? But um, that was just what happened. But within, I swear, within 10 minutes, the specials that were the demand specials were gone. Because there were other people that turned up. They turned up too late. It was like quarter past. They walked down the aisle, and, and they said to uh, some of the, you know, the elderly people who are stocking shelves, they said, look, I'm just after one of those tellies. Do you have any more? said, no, any what's out there. And they said, are you sure you don't have any out the back? No, that's it, they're gone. And I thought, man, that's just a mongrel thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> to advertise these great deals and then to turn up 15 minutes after the store opens to see the deal is gone. It's no wonder people get anxious and annoyed doing grocery shopping in Aldi. Um, But it just goes to show, doesn't it, this great comparison, because these people who had come for their 70-inch LED, I'm sure they'd looked up their catalogue and they were saying, I'm going to head out, I'm going to head out early, I'll get there. First thing in the morning, so they, they got there, thought they, thought they would get there in time. And they didn't. 15 minutes late and they leave disappointed and they miss out completely. Um, the people said you can go and try at other stores, but, you know, you got Buckley's. Previously uh, at church carols that I've been at, uh, we've given away free show bags to kids Uh, One of those things we put in like packets of chips that we got from a local chip manufacturer and cans of drink and stuff like that. And uh, we had to refine our uh, methods of handing these out because I tell you the first time we had them, we told people they were not available to the very end of carols, which of course meant they had to stay all the way through and sing all those great songs and have a message and everything else. But... It was like seagulls on chips at the poor stall. We had to rush extra people in because it became a mob frenzy just because these things were for free. And uh, then we had to refine things further and we had to say, unless you have your child with you, we cannot give you a bag. No, you can't take bags for your neighbours. No, you cannot. And so then we had to get them lining up and... oh. And the disappointment again in missing out. The message of the feeding of the 5,000 is that no one misses out. This is not a one-time deal that you have to rock up 15 minutes before opening time, not 15 minutes after, in order to get. Jesus says he comes to supply for everyone. What does he say in these verses? He says he will not turn anyone away. Everyone eats their fill and has left over. Why? Because Jesus is sufficient for all that we need. He is sufficient for all that we need for both this life and the life hereafter, the life to come. Sadly, the people that had been fed still missed the point. So in verse 51, Jesus again tries to make a more direct connection to them. Because the whole idea of describing himself as the bread of life was to help people understand the sort of nature of the union that needs to take place. You can't just say, I believe in the bread of life and leave it there. There's a sense of needing to be united with the bread of life where you take it and you become joined with it. It becomes a part of you that Jesus is trying to communicate. So in verse 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, there ends up being this big long dialogue now, where Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. But it's all figurative, but the people are starting to get offended at this point because they're still thinking literally in the present life, materially. They're still thinking, I've got to eat his flesh, fingernails and all. Uh, I've got to, you know, drink his blood. Like, I have to laugh this week. My son, who's doing a great great fitness regimen, said, oh, I need to get some liver. <laughs> and so he went and got some liver. And then he sliced it up. He, he started frying it up in the frying pan. And then... uh He he, he took a bit and and ate it like it it wasn't even with garlic or with crumb or anything. It was just like fried liver. And he thought he was so brave. And uh, he was ribbing us for weeks about the health benefits of eating liver. Needless to say, he couldn't... I think he almost reached eating that piece of liver... (laughs) And the rest of the liver got quickly put into a Ziploc bag and out into the green auto bin, Um, the wheelie bin out the back. Um, Thankfully, liver doesn't cost that much to buy. Um, But the people started to think in this same sort of literal way and they started thinking cannibalism. And in fact, in those early years, a lot of people read this dialogue and thought the Christians, they're cannibals. They're eating other people. They're trying to eat Jesus. They're drinking blood. But again, there is a spiritual perception that we must have, that God must give us in order to understand spiritual truth or otherwise it makes no sense. We saw it earlier in John 3 when Jesus speaks with Nicodemus. And the phrase that he used there with Nicodemus was, you must be born again. And Nicodemus' conclusion was, how am I going to climb back up into my mother's womb to be born again as a man? I won't fit. Well, the ladies in the place are saying amen. Um, But this is this whole idea... Note to self, don't try and eat bread while you're preaching. Um, This whole spiritual perception was they were not getting it. Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's talking about this sense of union with him. And he eventually, as we go down, starts to talk about remaining in him as as he is in the Father. There is a union between the Son and the Father and he wants us to have this same union together. And it's a puzzle that we don't understand fully until Jesus dies and makes atonement for the sins of the world on the cross. That we must personally, each one of us, not just appropriate in the immediate term as in a one-off decision, but it's this union that Jesus wants to have with us through our entire lives, where we spend time with him, where we spend time with his word. We learn from him, where we grow through the spiritual truths that we take into ourselves. We cannot grow spiritually without being united to Christ. If we refuse to be united with Christ... then salvation eludes us, and we miss out. As you get down to the end of the chapter, the sense of spiritual perception is lacking there, and many of those who had followed Jesus just to get the free meal missed the point. And so they left and they walked away. In fact, Jesus no longer had the megachurch 10,000 people But because he called people to follow and to this union, only those who were faithful, who understood, grasped hold and stayed with him. And so by the time we get to the end of the chapter in verses 67-69, Jesus says to even the twelve, You do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answers him, With these great words, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus is the one that we all must come to. He is the one that without whom we cannot be saved. Now, we're going to share communion now. I'm going to ask that the helpers would come and start to distribute the elements. And I don't want you to be confused because some people put a sacramental spin on this passage that in the same way we have communion elements, that is we have bread and we have the cup, and Jesus talks later on, a year later, at the Last Supper about needing to take the bread in remembrance of him and needing to take the cup as symbolic of his blood both of those things are symbolic they are not as in some interpretations with some churches Uh, they have a doctrinal belief called transubstantiation where they say after the pastor or the priest prays over the elements that In essence, they transform into the actual body and blood of Jesus. We don't teach that. The Bible, we don't believe, teaches that. It doesn't teach that here. And so please don't read that into it here. These elements we take now are a reminder to us of Christ's sacrifice for each one of us on the cross. That Jesus came and allowed himself to be beaten he allowed himself to be nailed to that cross to ultimately die because that was the punishment for sin now it is a punishment that all of us deserve that all of us require unless of course we believe in jesus because when we believe in jesus the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross becomes a sacrifice on our behalf. We are united with Christ and his sacrifice becomes sufficient for us. It is sufficient for all. So no matter what we have done in our lives, where we have sinned against God, whether we have lied, whether we have stolen, whether we have omitted to do things we should have done, All of those things that we have done that we are ashamed of in our past, Christ died for on the cross. And his atonement for us, that paying of that debt, is sufficient. And it's sufficient, we know it is sufficient. We have the illustration here in the feeding of the 5,000. We will never go hungry. We will never be thirsty. Jesus will never turn away any who comes to him. So if you've received the bread this morning or the little cracker, please take now and eat in remembrance of the sacrifice that Christ has made for you. which is a symbol a sign of the new covenant that is that if we simply believe in jesus if we simply acknowledge he came from the father to die for us and we trust in his sacrifice for us that we are forgiven and that our sins are wiped away and wiped clean let's take and drink and remember our sins are gone father we thank you we thank you that you loved us so much to send your son into this world and we celebrate him as the bread of life as the bread that gives life that it's through his giving of his body on the cross for us that sins are paid that forgiveness is accomplished so father we've taken these elements and we celebrate we remember we acknowledge and we believe that jesus is indeed the bread of life that takes away the sin of the world and we celebrate all that you do for us in christ help us to know that jesus will never turn us away not just for this initial forgiveness but as we continue through life as we continue to place our trust in him to learn and to grow from him may you continue to sustain us and nourish us in all that we need to grow in faith that we may serve you all of our days and that you who have never turned us away would take us to glory in those last days as well and we thank you for this and celebrate in jesus name Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. Uh, for more information on our services or our ministries head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, Please also, at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to
1: seek Him in your daily life. God bless.